Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Let's get to the word because I could spend a lot of time there, but just know that I love and appreciate each of you so much and your effort. Uh, it means so much. Romans 8 and 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. What a beautiful scripture. What a beautiful scripture. I believe God has something very special for us today. And I'm so thankful for everybody that's here, all of our guests. I believe this is a word for everyone in this room and maybe even somebody who's listening via our podcast or online right now. So if you believe that, would you pray with me right now as we endeavor in this sermon? Jesus, we love you and we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for what we have felt here today thus far. I pray that for the remainder of this service, God, something incredible would take place. Not because of my ability or inability, but God, because of your word and because of what you've laid on my heart, God, to deliver. I pray that, Lord, it would go beyond me, this earthly vessel, but God, that it would touch the hearts and the spirits of people, God, who may be hurting right now, who who may need encouragement right now, God. Maybe somebody has forgotten all that you have done for them, and Lord, all that you're going to do for them and I pray that today we would be reminded and encouraged and empowered by your word before we leave this place I speak that in the name of Jesus for God we are a victorious people because we are your people we are your sons and daughters and if you believe that would you say amen and put your hands together come on would you just say amen and amen and put your hands together and give God praise Amen. You can be seated. The Old Testament alludes to a New Testament reality over and over again. It foreshadows of it. It talks about it. A reality that is so important that if you and I miss it, our Christianity will be less vibrant. We will struggle to be validated and we will feel imminently withdrawn from God. That's how important this reality that I'm trying to bring out today is. That if we don't get it, we will be stuck in a mundane mindset. Worse yet, not only will we succumb to maybe mediocrity in our Christian walk, but we will feel like God doesn't want to be around us if we don't get this reality. And before I tell you what that reality is, and some of you have probably already picked up on it, From our opening text. Let me just ask you a question today. Does God feel close and personal to you? Or does he feel cold and distant from you? Does God feel close and personal to you? Or does he feel cold and distant from you? This topic that I'm talking about can be summed up in one word. Adoption. Adoption. And for a few moments, I want to preach on the topic of the spirit of adoption. While most understand that salvation brings forgiveness of sins and 
We understand that it brings deliverance. We often do not fully understand or comprehend or even think about that word adoption. Spiritual adoption is not only the process of God delivering us out of bondage, but it is Him taking us in as His own. Hear me right now. God doesn't just bring us out, but He takes us in. Let that sink in for a moment. God doesn't just deliver me out of something, but He brings me into something. You see, God could have just delivered the children of Israel out of their Egyptian slavery, but He didn't just bring them out of Egypt. He made a covenant with them that said, I'm your God and you are my people. You see, God doesn't just give deliverance, but He proclaims ownership over you and I. And I'm not talking about a slavery-driven ownership. I'm talking about the type of ownership that is best reflected in someone who adopts a child as their own. You see, the Greek word for adoption is viothusia, which literally means the placing of a son. The placing of a son, which in turn came to mean this in the old Hebrew world. Placing a son into a family that was one's, that was not one's biological family. In turn, that new adopted son would lose all of the rights of his former family and gain all of the rights of his new family. You see, redemption brings a change of masters. I don't serve the same father that I used to serve. I used to serve under the bondage of sin. In fact, the law of God even itself was a bondage over me. Not that the law was imperfect, but over and again, I failed. I missed the mark. And there I stood in the wages of my sin. What's wages mean? The earnings. What do you and I deserve without God? The wages of sin is death. I deserve death. I deserve brokenness. I deserve shame. That was my inheritance when I was in my bondage and my brokenness and not redeemed by my God. But when there was an adoption, when God reached down and He brought me in, rather than having all of the wages or the earnings of what I was formerly under, now all of that is completely expelled. It dissipates out of my life. And I get everything... That comes with serving God. So every good thing, just let that sink in for a moment, by the spirit of adoption has been granted to you and I. Why? Because I am not a removed child of God. I am not one step away from Him. He looks at me and the spirit of adoption allows me to cry out the phrase, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. You see, I get everything that God has promised me and proclaimed for me. That's why Galatians 4 and 4 says this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. That's what we used to be under. But why was He born under the law? To redeem those under the law. That we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons. God sent the Spirit of His son into our hearts the spirit who cries out once again Abba father so you are no longer a slave but God's child and since you are his child God has also made you an heir 
Today, we don't cry out to a distant father who has simply redeemed us. We cry out to a close and personal father that we say, Abba. That is the most intimate form of the word of father. And today, can I tell you, the reason that we cry that out is not simply because we desired it, but so much more importantly, it is because God desires to be in relationship with you and I. That reality is enough to shake your world. So when I ask you if God feels cold and distant, and if your answer is yes, then maybe today this reality of Scripture and understanding of God's Word can cause you to realize that God's not the one distancing Himself from you, but often it is you and I who misunderstand what the reality actually is. The reality in this place today is God wants me. Oh, come on, let that sink in for a moment. The Almighty God, the one who created everything, the one who doesn't need me, the one who existed without me, the one who never in the first place had to have me, desires me in such a way that he would buy my redemption through the cross of Calvary. Today, what I am telling you is every individual in this room, you are not insignificant. You are not secondary. I know that the enemy has heaped condemnation on your mind. And oftentimes, the circumstances of life can cause you to look at God through an incorrect and and, and, and errant uh, type of lens. But today, I'm here to tell you that the reality of the situation is is you have a God who loves you and wants you and is desiring to be in a relationship intimately with you and I. In 2019, I think, Nathaniel, you had that picture I sent you. In 2019, you might remember this story. That little boy sitting in the chair named Michael captured the heart of our nation. Uh, and, And the fact of the matter was, Uh, What really captured our heart is what you see in the background there. Michael was about to be adopted by these folks next to him who would officially be his parents at the end of this hearing, this day in the courtroom. But what's really cool is in the background you can see that all of his kindergarten class came to be with him that day. And and what was really neat is at the end of that day, uh, a, a local news crew was standing in the hallway And when Michael's brand new parents walked out into the hall, you could hear Michael saying the words out loud. I love you, Daddy. I love you, Daddy. Over and over again. And there, that new father who had just adopted Michael as his son, when he heard the words, I love you, Daddy, he began to break down and begin to cry. Why? Because the heart of the father who has adopted that son, it just just breaks and, and, and just explodes at that. I've told you over and again what it feels like to be a father to my little boy, Brighton, who is obviously plagued with being my junior. My little twin. No doubt about it. But he asked me, and I've, I've said it before, he asked me the other day or a few months ago, he said, Dad, why do you love me so much? I said, because you're my son. You're mine, Brighton. I love you so much. And he actually asked me in the middle. The funny thing was, he said, is it because I look like you? <laughs> Listen, that is not, I mean, I, that's, that's actually working against you, to be honest with you. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, the reason why I love that little boy is because he's mine. I love him because he's mine. And can I just tell you, when he says, I love you, daddy, 
it just melts me. It does something to my spirit. Can I tell you, the Bible says, Matthew 7 and 11, we've talked about it. But if I, being a carnal father, know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more does your heavenly father in, in heaven, the perfect one, not carnal, know how to take care of you and I? Can I just remind somebody in this room that if it melts my heart for my little boy to say, I love you, daddy, if it melts the heart of that man in that hallway that day to hear Michael, that five-year-old boy, say, I love you, daddy, when you reach up, and you cry out, Abba Father, Dad, I love you. You're not distant from me. You're not some God in the cosmos that I cannot know. But Lord, here's what I know. You have numbered every hair on my head. You knew my name before I ever knew my name. I'm not here by happenstance. I'm not here randomly. But the spirit of adoption is working in my life. And so I'm going to put an I love you on my lips because here's what I know. The only reason I love you is because you first loved me. I wonder if right now somebody could get the revelation that there is a God that loves you. That loves you. Ephesians 1 and 4, listen to this. It says, just as he chose us in him. Somebody say, he chose me. Come on, say it like you mean it. He chose me. Man, that's powerful right there. Just as he chose us in him before. Ooh, there's the word. Before the foundation of the world. That we would be holy and blameless before him in his sight in love. Isn't that a weird scripture? Check out that. That's where it ends, right there. In love. I just love verses like that. Because you can start to see how, how they're, they're constructed differently. And certainly we see something profound in this. Now stick with me. Adoption is one of the most profound scriptural realities of the universe. Leave that verse up there if you would. Not just in the world. I said it's one of the most profound realities in the universe. You say, man, you're being, you're being hyperbolic today. You're just at... No, listen... I said it on purpose, not just the world, because the idea of adoption was in the mind of God, somebody say before, mm. before creation was ever here. And can I tell you, the spirit of adoption will long last after this world is gone. Because it was the will of God that you and I would be reconciled unto him as his sons and daughters before there was ever one piece of dirt on the ground. Before he ever separated the firmament, before he ever put the water in the ground and he put the sky in the sky, before any of that ever happened, he was thinking about you and me. You see, we live. Why, why are you preaching this today? I'll tell you why I'm, I'm preaching it today. It's because we live in a world that constantly makes us feel like we are insignificant, like we do not matter, like we are random. There are even scientific theories that teach us that it was randomized molecules that ended up producing us, and there is no God that is looking down or is even looking eye to eye with us. But when I look at the reality of Scripture, what I am reminded of is that I am no accident and that I am not hating by God. In fact, it is just the opposite. By the spirit of adoption, I have life. By the spirit of adoption, I have a love that nobody else could understand or know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's powerful. 
It's powerful when you understand that God has always wanted closeness with you and I. It is not the will of God that you be distant and cold with God. But it is His desire that He have fellowship with His sons and His daughters. And that is why Jesus purchased our redemption on the cross. That's why the cross was so bloody and broken. That's why it was such an extreme, extreme action. Because he reached down to where we were. And with the spirit of adoption, he bought our redemption. William Dixon was a a widower in the 1800s. He was a man who was a war hero. And uh, he'd been left without a wife and his son had also passed away. William Dixon ended up being very lonely. One day though, he saw a neighbor's house as it was on fire. And although the aged owner of the house, who was the grandmother, was rescued for a moment, her grandson was trapped in the upstairs in the midst of the blaze. And the story goes that Dixon did not hesitate at all. He climbed up the side of the house using an iron pipe that was so hot that it burnt his hands in a major way. And yet there he was. He lowered that young boy down and ended up again causing permanent damage to the palms of his hands. Later, the boy's grandmother, who was brought out of the house, would actually succumb to her injuries and she would end up dying of, of uh, heat inhalation or smoke inhalation. And there in the 1800s, there was no system for adoption. And what would happen is if there was a young boy like this who was left, they would go to the town council and the town council would choose who would take the young boy. And when they brought the young boy to the town council, there were two men that desired to take him in and adopt him. The first was a man who was not on the scene there that day, but who had also lost a son and desired to adopt. And so he, he asked if he could be, and they, they said, well, give your reasons for wanting to adopt. And I'm sure the man's reasons were good and, and true-hearted and warm-hearted and all of those things. But then it came time for Dixon to give his, uh, to give his reasons for wanting to adopt. And the story goes that in front of the council that day, when they asked William Dixon, What is it that thinks, or why is it that you would think that you want to adopt him? Give us your reasons. He simply lifted his hands, the palm of his hands, and showed them the scars. Simply showed them the scars that he had garnered trying to rescue or rescuing the young boy. When they took the vote, unanimously, the young boy was adopted by Dixon. It was in Dixon's favor. Can I tell you, if you want to know whose you are, Look at the hands of the one who purchased you. If you want to know how important you are today, look at the scarred hands of the one who gave everything so that you might have life, so that you might have the joy of the Lord in your spirit, so that you might not have to live alone and broken and destitute. Look at his hands. His hands speak the story, and what they say is they're mine. What those hands say a redemption. What those hands are speaking today is they're my sons and my daughters. And I paid such a price because I love them and I care for them. And so the next time you're tempted to feel like you're worthless or you don't have a reason for living, let me tell you what I'm coming against right now. I'm coming against a spirit of suicide that is reigning so powerfully in this day and age that is certainly attached to the idea of worthlessness. 
And it's no wonder a generation thinks they're worthless when they're constantly told that they have no creator, that they have no father, or the one that has been projected to them in this word is nothing but a tyrant and a hateful God when there couldn't be anything more far from the truth. Because the truth of the matter is, yes, this God hates sin, but He loves you so much that He sent His only begotten Son so that you and I, who deserve death, we might have life today. I've just come to remind somebody A distant and cold relationship is not God's will for your life. The will of God for you is that you would get a revelation today that says God loves me so much that He adopted me. God loves me so much that He reached down and He paid the wages of sin and death for me that I might have life and joy and peace. Man, I feel the Spirit of God in this room. I come against a spirit of suicide. I come against a spirit of worthlessness. I come against condemnation and I say God let your love be released in this house in the name of Jesus Paul explains that our father chose us quote chose us in Christ before the foundations of the world were ever laid that we should be holy and somebody say blameless you need to hear that word somebody in this room needs to hear that word I'm blameless Let me tell you something about Devin Akers. My parents will tell you. They told me this growing up. All the way until probably, I mean, I might have heard in the last few weeks. I don't know. Devin, it's never your fault, is it? I was like a lawyer. I could, I mean, I don't know if I was making a good case. But I would find a way for it to not be my fault. The reason it didn't happen. And so can I just tell you, as a guy who's always trying to get out of things, and, and, and I'm, I think I've grown a little bit, but especially when I was younger, I didn't like to be blamed for things. This scripture resonates with me. I'm blameless. Thank you. This is the scripture I needed when I was 15. Dad, have you not read that the Lord has called me blameless, brother? Somebody in this room needs to get a hold of that because you're letting the devil blame you for everything. You're letting the enemy condemn you for everything. You're letting people and things and ideas just pin and heap condemnation on you. But the scripture says that we were chosen in Christ before the foundations of the world were ever laid. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. Now that ought to just get somebody fired up that says, oh, wait a second. That's right. I'm no ordinary person. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of the Most High. Something has been bestowed upon me that man can't give me and therefore man can't take it away. So I'm going to stand strong and I'm going to believe that if God is for me, who can be against me? I'm a son and a daughter of the Most High God. It was His will and His plan and He went all that way so I will rejoice. Man, that's powerful. Says this to praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed, the Bible says. And that word bestowed literally means he graced it on us. He just graced it to you. Man, I love grace. I really do. And I know you guys think, well, don't don't get too far with grace. I've already told you what it took to give us grace. It was the blood and the brokenness of the cross. You don't even, we can't even understand the depths that he went to to reach down to where we are. There's no doubt about it. You want to see how much God hates sin? Look at the cross. 
That he would give his only begotten son. And the scripture says that when that sacrifice was made, it was sweet. It was accepted by God. So yes, there is another side to this. And I think I've preached it adequately today. But can I tell you that there's also the opposite side of the coin which shows us how much God loves us. And he graced this to you and I as sons and daughters. As sons and daughters of the Most High. We are his beloved children. That's why Romans 8, 16. Hear this. I'm going somewhere. you got to listen though. The Spirit testifies within our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His suffering in order that we may also share in His glory. Here's what Romans 8 is comparing. Read it and this is what you'll find. There's a difference in a spirit of adoption and bondage. Romans compares these two spirits. That's why Romans 8 and 15, stick with me, says this. For you have not received a spirit of bondage. Again, to what? Fear. That's not the spirit that you have. That's the opposite of adoption. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. If you can't call your father dad, it's because you're afraid of him. Because these are the opposite spirits. We don't have a fearful, condemned spirit, but we have a spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. This verse contrasts two spirits, an impersonal spirit of bondage, or what we would call, listen, a spirit of slavery. And the Holy Spirit called here the spirit of adoption. Oh, did that just click for somebody? That when you receive the Holy Ghost, that's what you received? It's not two different spirits. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive the spirit of adoption. You don't need anything else than what you've already been given. You just need to understand what you've been given. You just need to understand what's been placed in you. Because the Holy Spirit within you is called the spirit of adoption. Other translations render the phrase the spirit of adoption like this. God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, says the New Living Translation. Another translation says the spirit itself makes you God's children. Or a spirit that shows you you are adopted as his own. Two different spirits, two different mindsets that we can have in approaching our God. We can approach him as slaves in bondage or we can approach him as adopted children. The Bible presents a high view of adoption. The Bible over and again uses this and says, if you are adopted by an earthly father, that means you get everything that you need. You have all the rights of any son and any biological son or daughter. You've been given those things. So I ask you, why is it that we still come to God condemned and fearful? That's not an Abba Father spirit. Can I just tell you, my little boy, he can twist. Listen to my little girl right now. You know what she's saying? I'm pretty sure she's saying Dada. I, all I'm hearing is Abba Father. That's because they're mine. When my little boy comes to me, you know what he'll do? He knows how to work me over, Jake. He knows exactly what to do. And can I just tell you, y'all need to pray that God would break the addiction of candy off of this young man's life. Because I'm just praying. He loves candy. I'll find candy under his bed. I'll find it like tucked in the couch. I'll find it in his teeth. If you did an autopsy on him, it would look like somebody like melted a unicorn in his stomach. That was a pretty good joke. I thought that you guys were like, that's weird. Lots of colors is what I'm saying. Kid loves candy. And for some reason, 
Every time he comes to me and asks for a piece, if he gets the right tone and he gets the right attitude and spirit about it, I just want to keep giving it to him. I do. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just want to keep giving him what he's asking for. And I'm an earthly father, a carnal father. And the Bible says that when we come to God, you know, but here's, let me just explain it like this. If I come to him with the wrong, or if he comes to me with the wrong tone, like here's what I noticed he's been doing lately. Are you guys ready for this? Some parent talking here. Today, this happened today. He said, Dad, give me a drink. And I was like, he was like, please? Added please to the end. Hold up. We're going to have to talk for a second. Because like 90% of that sentence I didn't agree with. 10% was fine. And it was the last 10%. But if my, my son comes to me and he says, Dad, I'm so thirsty. Would you please, please give me a drink? I actually get embarrassed when he, if he grovels. I'm like, I'm your, I'm your dad. Calm down. Of course I'll give you a drink. Jeez Louise, what's wrong with this kid? We feed you all the time. What, the way you said that, if, if everybody heard that, they would think that I don't give you a drink normally. And we approach God the same way. Wrong tone, sometimes snappy. Confidence is not arrogance. God, give me what I ask for, and if you don't, I'm out. There's some people in this room right now that you're calling it a fleece before the Lord or whatever spiritual term you want to call it, where you put an ultimatum on God. Say, God, do this, or... No, 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 no. That's not how it works. It doesn't work that way with my kid. Dad, give me a drink or. Or what? What does that mean? Also, on the flip side, I don't go to him asking him for things that he already wants to give me as if he's never given them to me. Because that's also insulting. So I just come to him with the tone of a son, of a daughter, that knows this is my Abba Father. This is the one who adopted me. God... I'm just praying, Lord, you've done it over and again. You've been so good to me, and I know I don't have to beg now, but would you provide for my family? Would you touch my mind today? I'm going through it. God, I'm starting to see just how imperfect I am once again today, but your grace is so good, and so I'm just going to ask you, would you cover my life today because my mind's not been where it needs to be. Oh, God is hearing the tone of a child, of his son, of his daughter, and he's saying that's a prayer I can answer because that's a prayer that's birthed in intimacy. That's a prayer that says, Abba, Father, that's not a spirit of bondage. That is a spirit of adoption, and in this room right now, I just feel like there's some people that have been asking for the right things, but you've been asking the wrong way. And God's about to give you a revelation of how you should ask for that thing. Not that he's been withholding it because he's mad at you, but, but he would rather you have a revelation of who he is than what he can give you. Because it's so much more important that I actually know who he is, not just what he can give. And God's saying, hey, I'll give that thing to you in due season. But in the meantime, I'm just trying to show you who I am right now. I am your father and in this room right now. In fact, I just want to stop right where we're at. And I wonder if somebody could begin to lift their voice and ask God for something the right way. Could you lift your voice and just begin to pray? God, this is not a grievous prayer. We're not scared. We're not in bondage. But right now, God, I know that you're a provider. I know that you're a good father. Father, and I'm praying that you'd provide for some of these families right now. I'm praying right now, God, that you would begin to restore some mental health right now, not because we're fearful or not because we have to beg, but because we know who you are. Come on, lift your voice, Stella, and just begin to tell him, God, I need something in my life. Would you just ask him? God may answer that prayer right now. 
Come on, God may answer that prayer right now, but you've got to have the boldness to pray it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Story in Reader's Digest went this way. A young mother wrote and said, quote, I stayed with my parents for several days after the birth of our first child. One afternoon, I remarked to my mother that I was surprised that our baby had dark hair since both my husband and I had fair hair. And she said, well, your daddy has black hair, but mama, that doesn't matter because I'm adopted. With an embarrassed smile, she said with the most said the most wonderful words I've ever heard. I always forget. But mama, it doesn't matter. I'm adopted. I always forget. Isn't that powerful? You understand God's not looking at you or me with distance or disdain. He is looking and saying, that's the spirit that I've given. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now speaking to somebody. I feel like the presence of God is about to flood into somebody's spirit who is in need of an encouraging word. God, right now in this room, I ask you, Lord, to speak to somebody's spirit in the next few moments before we end this day, this sermon. I pray that the Holy Ghost would just begin to touch God, their lives in their minds. God, I pray that, Lord, any complex or insecurity that has been placed within them, that, God, you would release them from that, God, and you would touch them today. I don't want to continue in this. I, I do want to continue in this, but I feel very strongly that it's important that I transition in this message. Because what we understand is that you and I, we've been given, and I could go through trait after trait, Familiarity with God gives you some things that you, you don't deserve and I don't deserve. No fear and condemnation, that's taken away. New identity and nature, that's given to us. Future glorification is what's promised to His children. We have so many benefits from being the sons and daughters of God. We have redemption. We have all of these amazing things. And I could preach on those for a minute. I, in fact, I could preach on those until our time ran out at River Bend. I could preach till next Sunday on those things. Y'all got to eat some dinner. Can I tell you this? Even though God has all those things for us, unfortunately, there's often a barrier to our redemption. And it's not God. And I'm not even talking about the devil. Unfortunately, the barrier to our redemption, to being sons and daughters of God, hear me right now, is people. The barrier to our redemption ends up being the people that we sit beside in a church or that we meet out in our workplace. We see this over and over in the scripture between the relationships with brothers. Cain kills Abel. The older brother takes the younger brother's life. God comes in and he says, Cain, where's your brother? And in a smart aleck tone, what does Cain say to God? Am I my brother's keeper? He said, Cain, what you don't know is that the, the, the blood of your brother Abel is crying out from the ground to me. And you know what it was crying out? Redemption. Redemption. Now in Hebrews, here's what we have. We have a promise that the blood of Christ speaks of greater things. But it still cries out the same thing. Redemption. Redemption. The only difference is this. The blood of Abel cried out for redemption. 
in need of redemption. But the blood of Christ cries out because of redemption. It is a redeeming blood that, that goes all the way back to that first murder. And it redeems and it covers. God, I feel his spirit in this room right now. Over and over again, what we see is that there is a plan for redemption. But because of friction between people, oftentimes the spirit of adoption ends up being severed. Can I tell you, that maybe the greatest illustration of this was one that Jesus brought up in Luke 15. He talked about the prodigal son. And the Bible says, you've heard this story, but let me recap it very quickly for you. The Bible says that this father, he has two sons, an older brother and a younger brother. The younger one says, give me mine inheritance and I'm leaving this place. And so the father gives him his inheritance. And you know the story. He goes out, he spoils it on riotous living. While the older brother stays faithful in the father's house. And finally one day, what happens? But the younger, hear me right now, hear me right now. The younger brother comes home and the spirit of the father has not changed. Do you hear this? It's still adoption. That's my son. It's sonship. That's mine, my daughter, my child. And so he brings him in. He covers him. He puts a new robe on him and a ring on his finger. He hugs him and he says, we're going to celebrate because the spirit of the father says this one's mine. And what was once lost has now been found. But what happens to the older brother in the parable? He comes in from the field from working. And he says, why is there a party going on in the house? What's all the celebrating about? His father comes out and he says, son, your brother has returned. And he says, so he goes out and he does all that he did. He, he denies you. He denies us. And he walks away. And he comes back and you throw him a party? You've never thrown me a party. There it is. See, the brother didn't want him to receive adoption because it was about seniority. It was about fair. Well, that's not fair. That's not, they, I should be in this. That shouldn't happen that way. Now listen to me for a moment. This can manifest in a number of ways. And this principle is given over and over in Scripture. But there are some people in this room that because of the hurt of your brothers, because people have hurt you in church, you're allowing them to stop you from getting to your father. I can't stop people from being people. But let me tell you what else I can't do. I can't stop God from being God. Only you can stop God from being God in your life. Only you can deny him. I can't do that. You can though. And we look at the life of Joseph and it's typified again because we see this, that Joseph was a type of Jesus. And the scripture says that Joseph was supposed to be a redeemer of his brothers. That's what God had called him to be. But when they saw his dreams, they became jealous. And his older brothers, what did they do? They threw him in a pit, didn't they? And they tried to destroy the dream that God had given him. And what do we see in Jesus? That he was wounded in the house of his friends. The people that were supposed to love me and keep me. There are some people in this room that the reason you have such an issue with coming to God is because you have an issue with your earthly father. The image of a perfect God has been tainted by the image of an imperfect father figure. Whatever it might be, humanity and flesh becomes the barrier to allowing God 
to adopt and bring you in. And what I'm telling you here today is that it is not the will of God that there be a barrier between you and Him. And certainly it is not the will of God that you allow people to get between you and what He wants to do in you. Stello Church, what I feel in my spirit is this, is to remind us that we have a responsibility as a church to have the spirit of the Father and not the brother. The spirit of the Father in a church says no matter where you come from, no matter what you look like, God, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. You know that in this service today, I wouldn't want to call anybody out. In this service today, an individual leaned over to me throughout the day that we've already had. And this individual said to me these words, Am I dressed appropriately? Am I okay to be here today? That's what they asked me, literally. Is this okay what I'm wearing? And I looked at them, I said, Absolutely. That's perfect. It's perfect. You know why that individual said that? Because oftentimes the spirit of an older brother says you can't come in until. You got to get this fixed, this fixed, do this, do that. And there's been too many environments where the older brother has been the one that met the younger brother in the driveway rather than the father. And I say to you and to I, not in this place. But that the Spirit of the Father is going to reach every single individual, whether they've been hurt by church, whether they've been hurt by people, whether they're walking in with past traumas and this is their first experience with Christianity, whatever it might be, the Spirit of the Father says, my arms are open wide.